Welcome to None Dare Call It Ordinary, the podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs found at the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. I'm your host, Brent, and with me is the unidentified Dylan. Where am I? Who am I? What have I done? Am I underwater? Am I in the air? Yes. No one knows who I don't know. So we want to keep pushing people over to our Discord channel at yes. discord.nundarecallitordinary.com. We're having all sorts of fun. I just posted a picture actually today of what I look like and strangely a lot like Paul Ryan, which is never Yeah, you had a good, Paul Ryan. Probably, I but... did the same. I took a picture of myself in the closet. Yes. And perfect. I look like I'm in a found footage horror movie. It's got the Blair Witch style. <laughs> Snot running from your nose. And so that's, yeah, that's the content you're missing if you go over there. <laughs> And we also have, that's where all the major announcements we're going to make are going to be kind of primarily, you'll hear them first. Yeah. Uh, we'll always put them on the main episode, but they'll all, they'll all go on there first. So if you want the immediate news, there's not a whole lot right now, but that's where it'll be. And we also have a suggestion box on yeah. the Discord. So if you go over there, um, you can let us know what would you like on the Discord? What would you like? on the Patreon or on the podcast, really anything, you know, do you want us to record on Mars? <laughs> that might be relevant for today. Whatever your suggestions are, go to discord.nundarecalledordinary.com, sign up for our uh, discord server and tell us what to do. Cause we have no idea. <laughs> and with that, so what are we talking about today? Brent? Thanks for asking Dylan. Well, you know, I'm not sure you're aware of this, but hey, Mars has a face on it. Ooh, so, fun. Yep, that is exactly what we'll be discussing today. Most of the episode will be covering one of the biggest proponents of the Mars face theory. So let's just dig right in. On July 25th, 1976, NASA released an image that the Viking 1 orbiter captured of a portion of the Cydonia region located in the northern hemisphere of the planet Mars. The Sidonia region borders the Arabia Terra Highlands and the plains of Acidelia Planitia. I messed that up for sure. It's okay because we're all familiar with Martian geography, so you all know exactly where I'm talking about for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, clearly our listeners know <laughs> all about it. It's not like if we gave them a test on Martian geography, they would get real upset. <laughs> um, the one thing, though, I'm curious about is, so there's one portion called Arabia Terra, which sounds like it means Arab Earth. And so I'm wondering, that sounds kind of xenophobic. It I'm does. not sure if we want to if we want to use that kind of like. I agree. It does. OK, so the specific area the photograph was taken was the Sidonia Mensi. This region has small hills or knobs as well as mesas, which is plural for mensa, which means table. Mensa also refers to those who turn their high IQ and lack of any other credentials into their entire personality. <laughs> so that's an additional meaning of the term Mensa. Located specifically between the Bamberg crater and the Arandus crater was, oh, I don't know, just a Martian face. So <gasps> boom. <sighs> yeah, pretty scary. Unfortunately, in reality, the low resolution orbital photo was a trick of light and shadow. And that made a Mesa look like a face. God, you know, that's basically describing my face, actually. Um, after too long in quarantine, I may have a Mesa face at this point. I'm not sure. Yeah, if you shine <laughs> a light on Brent's face at just the right angle, it reveals it's just blank. He's just got a blank, <laughs> uh, featureless uh, face on him. He doesn't yeah. really have a face at all. Yeah, it's very scary. Harold Marsursky, the project scientist at the time, joked that, quote, this is the guy that built all of Lowell's canals. 
But was it really just a joke or a blatant omission of the Mars face by a NASA scientist? I'm going to say both. I think it was both. Alien enthusiasts think NASA is, of course, covering up that this face on Mars is a monument made by aliens. You see, this is I'm already thinking they've gone off track here because I much prefer the theory that the face belongs to Lowell. Give him some credit. Yeah. He built all those canals. <laughs> we know he has a name. Yeah, we don't true. need to go on saying he's just a monument built by aliens. <laughs> let's address him by how he wants to be referred to. Now, let's meet the man of the hour, Richard C. Hoagland, the man behind the face, if you will. I'm sure we all know Mr. Hoagland as that guy that, according to Rational Wiki, believed that, quote, 9-11 was not only a conspiracy, but a magic ritual part of a secret war between the Freemasons and Knights Templar who control the U.S. government on one hand and the Hashashim, which include Osama bin Laden as a key member on the other. Hashashim, that sounds like a good uh, good organization to be a part of on 420. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, I'm finally, finally glad we can have someone reasonable yes, to discuss yes, on the yes. podcast. This sounds like truly a thought leader. Yeah, and that's that's for a different day. You know, that's his, that was a side gig. Today, we're discussing his deep knowledge of Mars face science. According to Richard Hoagland's Facebook page, he, quote, is a former space science museum curator, a former NASA consultant, and during the historic Apollo missions to the moon was science advisor to Walter Cronkite and CBS News. I really love the title of NASA consultant because it doesn't say what he consulted NASA on. <laughs> Sure. For all we know, he was telling them the settings on their espresso machines. I mean, that could be <laughs> it. He's like, he's technically like, technically, I consulted NASA on something. That's true. I'm a NASA consultant. Besides Walter Cronkite, Hoagland wants everyone to know he is also, quote, best pals with Carl Sagan, Gene Roddenberry and Arthur C. Clarke. Despite Hoagland saying he has, quote, decades long demonstrated scientific competence, he actually has no education beyond high school. According to Rational Wiki, he has, quote, no special knowledge of or standing in any branch of science and thus has written no scientific peer reviewed journals. And he never said that he did. That's true. What he said was that he had demonstrated scientific competence. Do you really think there's nothing scientific about being an espresso machine <laughs> repairman? That's a difficult task. You need that to know all sorts of things about pressure and about water temperature. Yeah. That's all perfectly scientific. So I think. Oh, he didn't write any peer reviewed journals. Get real. That doesn't matter. <laughs> the man could make a great cup of espresso based on his decades long demonstrated scientific competence. That's a good point. So this, of course, didn't stop Hoagland from writing books. The book with all the answers you need about the face on Mars is called The Monument of Mars, a city on the edge of forever. It's a really interesting title. You don't think of forever as something that would have an edge. <laughs> That's true. You don't. It's an edgeless universe. The evidence Hoagland offers for the face on Mars being made by aliens is a set of angles and ratios of surrounding structures in the Sidonia Mensi. In a video from February 27th, 1992, titled The Monuments of Mars, Hoagland presents his evidence to the United Nations in New York. So somehow that happened. In what format did he present this? Was this at like an official UN event? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I don't know how many people were there. Yeah, we're going to have to make a top 10 best UN presentations uh, with this guy somewhere near the top. And, you know, I, I do have to admit that it's probably not the best look for the UN to have mm -hmm. this kind of talk at an official. This is more a UNX talk. Yeah, that's really where this kind of belongs. 
Hoagland states in the opening, quote, We now have a set of data so extraordinary that it demands in the venue of any decent science simply testing the hypothesis. The problem is there are some folks in NASA in charge of the next mission going back who seem less than overwhelmingly inclined to perform the simple test. They will not guarantee, strange as it may seem, that taking new pictures is on the Mars Observer agenda. And, and by, by the way, this turned out not to be true. The future Mars orbiter missions did, in fact, take more pictures of Mars. So. But were they equal to or more than overwhelmingly inclined to take That's a good point. the pictures? That's how you really debunk Hoagland's claims. Yep, you're right. Did they guarantee that they would take the new pictures? <laughs> I get that they did. Whatever. That's not important. Did they guarantee that they would? That's all he's saying here. Hoagland pulls up an image on the screen and says, quote, now, this is a computer-enhanced version of exactly the same image done 15, 16 years later. Notice the remarkable level of detail. And by the way, it's basically like a pixelated blob. I mean, it says the 90s. So. Okay, yeah. It, it's actually, weird how you can't 70s, just so. magically enhance pictures. That doesn't really work. Let me continue with the quote. Cross lines in the forehead, scalping on the left side here. The suggestion of teeth in the mouth. The deep set eyes. Sounds very attractive. But again, if we only had one picture, we would never know. If, as NASA has said consistently for 16 years, this is merely the most marvelous trick of erosion on the surface of any planet, or in fact was something else. You know, honestly, I highly doubt NASA said that this Mesa was, quote, the most marvelous trick of erosion on the surface of any planet. Mm -hmm. I don't know for sure. I don't yeah. know this for sure. But I'm going to guess that that's incorrect. You know, you're totally right, Brent. I know for a fact you're right. What they said was that it was the most marvelous trick of erosion on the surface of anything, anything <laughs> at all. That's what they said. In fairness, it does entail that it is the most marvelous trick of erosion on the surface of any planet. Uh, but that's yeah. not what they said directly. Hoagland zooms out of the image of the face on Mars to reveal, quote, pyramidal forms. He states, quote, the interesting thing about these mountains seem to be that they lay at a 90 degree angle to the surline to the face on Mars. And that, of course, would have afforded them the best view possible out across this level high desert landscape in the northern desert at a place on Mars called Sidonia. So I was going to say we, we've, we had a fight here in Vegas for housing development to be built closer and closer to Red Rock Canyon. And lots of people don't want that. I'm one of those people. And I even went with some of these people, the citizens of Vegas, they show up at the city council protesting this and they all get to speak and stuff. So I can only imagine when the Martians were building housing development closer and closer to the face on Mars, hordes of Martian citizens flooded the Martian city hall to protest this. Yeah. Which would have been a sight to see. Yeah, I'm sure Martians, you know, just like you, you know, those Martians, they cared more about rocks than hardworking people <laughs> having places to live. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> uh, hardworking. Right. Okay. Hoagland interrupts his own video of the UN briefing to talk directly to the audience at home. Quote, for the last nine years, the argument has raged regarding the reality of this object as a constructed artifact. Well, our focus has now begun to shift. We're looking more at the meaning of this object, including a possible connection with the Earth. After saying all of this, Hoagland explains that the face on Mars doesn't really matter at all. Quote, the key to our apparently successful solution to the riddle of Sidonia turned out not to be the face at all, but a two mile long, half mile high, five sided pyramid located a few miles away. When measuring the internal geometry of the DNM pyramid, it contains incredible geometric structure, fundamental mathematical constants, which in the universe are the key to signifying the presence of intelligence. 
That's why we termed this object the Rosetta Stone of Sidonia. If I know anything about the Rosetta Stone, I know it dealt with the fundamental mathematical constants. That's that's why it's such an important relic. Yeah, uh, because I, if, if I'm not mistaken, the Rosetta Stone, it allowed people to translate the Egyptian hieroglyphics into Greek and a, another language. I can't remember the top of my head. Yeah. And what those Egyptian hieroglyphics said was like, hey, Egyptians, we're smart. Like, that's what the Rosetta <laughs> Stone did, uh, just like this thing is doing here. It's indicating that these yeah. Martians, smart cookies. Hoagland wants us to get into his shoes and, quote, Imagine his intense gratification he experienced when he personally remeasured all of the relationships between the, quote, so-called anomalous objects previously identified grouped around the face, which honestly, that's that's how you could you could describe my long beard hairs that I've grown during this quarantine. A group of so-called anomalous objects grouped around my face. I think that's uh, you see for me when I'm like when I'm going to bed at night. Um, those for me is Bishop Lewis and Alva. Mm. They're the anomalous objects right. <laughs> grouped around my face, um, in, you know, in various patterns. And if you measure the geometry, <laughs> if you measure the angles that they form, um, you won't find anything cause it's just a uh, random. Yep. Hoagland says that this geometry is completely identical to the geometry of the DNM pyramid. And this is not to be confused guys with the D and D pyramid, which is the pyramid of shadows. Yeah, I, I really hope that joke resonates with some people. It doesn't with me, unfortunately. I don't know anything about it. But yeah, I, I look that up. <laughs> I don't, don't know. Hopefully, someone laughs so hard at that. It sounds cool. Yeah. A pyramid made of shadows. I can definitely yeah. see why you'd want to play a game with that. Oh yeah, this includes multiple examples of identical mathematical constants. Oh, and also crop circles, which he brings up later in the presentation. But are there anyway, crop whatever. circles on Mars? Is that what he's saying? There are crops. There are farmers. No, it's um, it, it, he connects it to the crop circles showing up, you know, near Stonehenge. Oh, of course, Stonehenge is involved. The okay. internal mapping of Stonehenge also matches, I think, somewhere on Mars, too. I forget where it is. I've, I've, I've I was hoping that the, the tattoo of crop circles that you have. Yes. Would know, actually have, show up on Mars because then yeah. it's like, OK, maybe he's got a point. I, yep, I'm gonna yeah, that that'll be the that'll be the high patron goal. We can send me to Mars to see if it matches <laughs> some of these Sidonia <laughs> regions. One, when we get one million patrons, <laughs> when we're making like five million a month, we will develop a space program. I think that's I think that is that's gotta be the top. And we'll answer yeah. all the space questions. Like, is the earth flat? We'll like definitive evidence. I think, yeah, one million patrons. None dare call it a space program. <laughs> Send Brent to Mars. See if we could find the crop circles. He's got tattooed on his arm on Mars itself. Hey, Who'd ever thought when I was getting that tattoo that that would have been the end game for me. Okay. It's here. Hoagland shows us this list of so-called mathematical constants. It's a chart titled the DNM pyramid internal geometry. Sidonia geometric relationship model. We get a column of angles and degrees and radians angle ratios and related trig trigonometric functions. So I admit I am not a mathematician. Yeah. But I don't. What does he mean by the internal geometry? So he's got like there's internal bits to this pyramid and he's measuring like the relationships between the different bits. And these relationships correspond to mathematical constants. But what are the internal bits he's measuring? Yeah, I actually, when Dylan, I read this outline and I actually posted a couple pictures from his presentation and I was like, does this help? And it doesn't, of course. Um, but it's, I don't know, because to be honest with you, the internal structure thing makes no sense. I mean, he, if you look at the images he posts, they're, 
just the outer, like you look at a pyramid or whatever structure he's looking at. And it looks like a Pentagon basically. Yeah. And it's, it's essentially like these lines coming out and connecting to other structures that, you know, we're looking at the measurement of these angles compared to these angles and they match other angles coming off of other geometric structures okay. in that area. So it's not. So I don't know the internal part. It makes no sense. So it's not like Basically. inside. It looks like it looks like more. Yeah, that's I don't know. That, that's I don't it's remember like going if, into the inside of the pyramid. Yeah, it looks part. like so it's inside in the sense that if you're looking at this thing top down. Yeah. And it's it would be inside like the edges of the 2D version. Yes. Maybe that's it. Of it. It yeah. sounds like. I also I have to mention that this Pentagon that uh, Mr. Hoagland has developed, one of the corners points to face, which is <laughs> which makes sense to face yeah, like this face. is Nick Jr. Uh, that's a good millennial <laughs> reference. And then another points to City Square. So uh, that's that's yeah. that's nice. And so, yeah, there's a bunch of. It, yeah. So basically he is invented. He thinks he sees these lines mm-hmm. and then there's he's pointing out different angles for the lines. OK, that makes more sense. I thought because I thought like. At first, I thought he was like literally talking about like the inside of right, the pyramid. Right. And I was like, how do you know that? Yeah. But he's talking about you look at the top of it, you top down view, make that a 2D image of like a Pentagon. Right. And then there's like lines. OK, that makes more sense. Yeah. I mean, it's all nonsense, but at <laughs> least the nonsense makes sense. So this all looks fancy. Um, he does have the list of all the uh, mathematical constants and all these uh, calculations. And, you know, I'm not like Dylan, I'm not a mathematician, but. Ralph Greenberg is, and he's a professor of mathematics at the University of Washington. He has pointed out multiple statistical problems with the approximation rates and coincidental ratios, which Hoagland takes from random numbers. Dr. Stuart Robbins, an astronomer, looked over Hoagland's numbers on their features at Sedonia and found them to be incorrect as well. He published these results on his podcast called Exposing Pseudo-Astronomy Podcast. And he also has a video on YouTube you can watch. It's really good. Yeah, it is a really good podcast. Yeah, it's really cool. Dr. Robbins points out that Hoagland's calculations, in quotes, were all off from the get-go because the pyramid's latitude was not where it was claimed to be. So, you know, using updated data, the, the newest Mars mission coordinates place the latitude of this pyramid at a slightly different value than Hoagland uses and continues to use. Oh, see, that's a problem. It's the continuing. It's the continuing to use the continuing. That's part. a problem. He also points out that Hoagland didn't calculate the number of angles in the pyramid correctly, saying there are nine significant angles. But Dr. Robin points out that there are actually more like 35 different angles. And when he used Hoagland's own criteria for counting angles, there's actually more like 70 angles. Oh, so. wow. So I think that they call this <laughs> angle creep. Oh, and yeah. you just keep on getting, finding more and more and more angles. It's <laughs> it's detrimental to any Mars face science. It's really bad. However, being wildly off with his mathematical calculations from the start doesn't stop Hoagland. In the video, he states with their calculations, they've proven that this was intelligent alien life constructing these structures. This actually, you know, I, I actually think this is a feature, not a bug, mm-hmm. because any intelligent alien species can create a structure that demonstrates knowledge of the fundamental constants of the universe. That's easy. Oh, yeah. It's a whole other level of intelligence to be able to do that same thing. When one's creations are consistently misinterpreted. I mean, that's really, <laughs> that's, that's good. difficult. That's difficult to get that message across. Yeah. Even if someone very badly yes. interprets what you're up to. That's true. He says that we can all move on to now discovering the meaning of the alien geometry. I mean, Finally. the math's there. Now we're just moving on to what are they trying to say? 
And to me, it sounds like Hoagland, you know, he would have he would have made a great healing crystal therapist. If he knows what Mesa's want, he may be able to know what gemstones desire. Yeah, definitely. All right. So using the angle made by the DNM pyramid on Mars relative to the incorrect latitude lines, of the same pyramid, you get 19.5 degrees, I guess. But apparently it's all about a tetrahedron that can be circumscribed into a sphere or more bluntly, a planet. Oh, when you put a tetrahedron. Yeah, let's let's just cut to the chase. What he's really talking about here. It's not just some any sphere, it's not just some basketball or, you know, I almost said football. Jesus. Um, <laughs> soccer ball. God, sports. I need to watch sports again. It's I not know just, you know, a car or a T-shirt or any <laughs> other spherical objects. It's a planet. <laughs> When you put a tetrahedron in a planet, the tips of the tetrahedron touch at a very significant latitude and with significant meanings, precisely at, quote, 19.5 degrees north or south. So Hoagland exclaims that they have solved the puzzle with the tetrahedron point latitude thing. But what does that mean? So, you know, honestly, I really seriously, I was was watching this and I just kept wanting really bad for Gene Ray and Richard Hoagland to team up. Oh, my God. Give the tetrahedron (laughs) an Earth sphere. Then encase that earth in a top and bottom front back two sides time cube. I think this is the true grand unified theory in physics. I think that's what we're missing. And when they team up, maybe we can get Gene Ray a talk at the UN like he's always deserved. He needs an international (laughs) audience. Exactly. Instead of wasting his time giving talks to MIT. Hoagland shows a much more enhanced image than the one NASA has of the area surrounding the face on Mars. His words, not mine. He starts pointing to the familiar objects, the face, the DNM pyramid, the city. Yep, the city. It's, of course, just a bunch of rocks, but he breezes right by that with no explanation, which I enjoyed. I'm sure his book, you know, and I'm sure, honestly, his book talks on it, and I am totally down to buy that and read it for upcoming bonus episodes. So let me know in the Discord uh, chat. That would be, I want it to. I want it to. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I want to know about the city on Mars. Um, God, yeah. what are the taxes like? Right, right. Uh, schooling, good schools. Yeah, yeah we make, this is what we, we can become expats and move there. So, yeah, I mean, again, you know, one million patrons will develop a space program. <laughs> we'll send Brent to Mars to <laughs> scope out the city, see if it's a good place to live. All right, we'll get this. At every major and minor planet NASA has flown by, there have been major disturbances, as he puts it. "Quote: Just about nineteen point five degrees <laughs> north about. or south." Just about. Just about. It's a keyword. He said Jupiter's red spot is close to 19.5 degrees. You know, give or take. Don't nitpick. We're only dealing with fundamental mathematical constants here. Let the numbers breathe a little. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, this is why math tests are so easy, as I'm sure you've experienced. As long as you're in the ballpark, you get an A. I mean, that's how it works for me. Yeah. You know, like just like we have, we, we know this for a fact that we all, I think Oprah has taught us that we all have our own truths. We each have our own mathematical proofs in life, I think, to each yeah, their that's own. really convenient. It's not good for building bridges, but <laughs> it makes the tests easier. Hoagland says, quote, what we think it's trying to tell us is the fact that the internal upwellings of energy on planets, starting with what we term the gas giants in the outer solar system, are exemplified by what we will now term circumscribed tetrahedral mathematics. Which I want to say, not this is not to be confused with circumcised tetrahedral mm, yeah. mathematics. That's a totally different field of mathematics. Yeah, that's the kosher. It's the kosher variety yes. of mathematics. Yes, yes. So this whole red spot superstorm on Jupiter is being, quote, impelled by a physics that is exemplified by this circumscribed tetrahedral geometry. 
And the reason it lives at this particular longitude on Jupiter is because that's where the geometry in terms of the rotation of the planet wants it to live, mandates that it lives. Also, you know, honestly, it's totally fine when presenting your highly researched advanced planetary mathematics to the United Nations to go ahead and use terms like latitude and longitude interchangeably. I think that's fine. It also helps to talk about where geometry wants to live. Yeah, yeah. Just so let nice. the latitude and longitude breathe. Let them relax. <laughs> I, think, I think that's actually part of the uh, Gaia hypothesis, if I'm not mistaken. I think you might be right. Next up, Earth. So Hoagland places an inverted tetrahedron for some reason. He doesn't really explain why he had to flip the tetrahedron on Earth, unlike other planets, I guess. It's we're, Earth. It's clearly, yeah, it's where the living things are. That's true. We're clearly the best. Yeah, flip it. Continuing on here, inside of Earth to show that the points land in India and also the, quote, Hawaiian volcano at 19.5 north. The Hawaiian volcano is, quote, an exemplification, God, he really loves that word, of a huge upwelling of material that is coming up from the outer core of the Earth. But we do get a tetrahedron on Mars, so that's nice to get back to Mars. Hoagland shows us at 19.5 latitude, the point of the tetrahedron, that that's where Olympus Mons, a huge shield volcano, is located. It's really cool volcano, too. It's it the size of yeah, France. I think it's like one of the biggest ones. It's really cool. Yeah, I think it is the biggest yeah, in the biggest. solar system. Quote, now this pattern is pretty interesting because the pattern is implying very strongly that we are looking at a physics under the pattern. Incidentally, if you go one tetrahedron vertex over, remember each vertex is 120 degrees of longitude around the planet, you will come to the longitude of Sidonia. You go north 40.87 and there is the face and pyramids of Mars. And I don't remember a whole lot from my math classes, mm -hmm. but I will never forget that 40.87 is a very significant number. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's a big find. That's a big find on his part. Yeah, it's not 9-11, never forget, but rather 40.87, never forget, I think. Yes, I yes. So Hoagland makes sure to clarify that they are not claiming that there are actual tetrahedrons inside of planets, because that would be ridiculous. I mean, come oh, yeah. on. But he does correct course and say this, quote, the Egyptians, among others, were profoundly aware that the night and the night sky and all of reality is somehow circumscribed by the physics behind the circumscribed tetrahedral geometry given to us now by the monuments of Mars. But he's not done, actually, um, quote. And that, of course, is an amazing statement to be able to make, <laughs> <laughs> which I mean. I'm not sure that's even classified as a statement, actually, but okay. That's pretty <laughs> debatable. Also, okay. just at, at this point, this is just a friendly reminder. All of this tetrahedron, Egyptian, circumscribed, exemplified physics, what have you, this all started because a rock formation on Mars kind of sort of looked like a face. That's This is the origin of all really of this with that one. stuff. Yeah. Hoagland then does the unthinkable for Hoagland. He offers the audience something that in his own words is, quote, totally unscientific, <gasps> but based more on, again, his words, quote, that gut feeling, that haunting feeling. Ooh. The face on Mars looks just like a sphinx <gasps> in Egypt. Oh. Yeah. Holy shit. But his gut was, in fact, being scientific because he says that later he gets, quote, exquisite almost excruciating confirmation in the years that follow excruciating <laughs> confirmation and i love you know that gut feeling that haunting thing the next found footage horror movie 
it should have jump scares, but the jump scare is to a gut feeling because we all know that is the oh, most yeah. haunting thing is a gut feeling. So what is this extremely painful evidence Hoagland discovered? He explains that the Egyptian Sphinx is a hominid slash feline hybrid, which matches the face on Mars. It's like, what? But but you have to first first take the left half of the really shitty low resolution image and fold it over so that it's a mirror image of the right half. If you do this, you can kind of sort of make out that the face is sort of looks like a very primitive human, maybe like a deformed gorilla. I'm not sure. So you print out a picture of the face of Mars. You cut it in half. Yeah. You take the right side mm-hmm. and you put it up against the mirror. Yes. And that's going to look like a deformed gorilla. Yes. Okay. And why did he do this? Uh, Why why does Hoagland do anything? Ask his best friends, Carl Sagan and Gene Roddenberry. They may help you. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's, they're dead, but (laughs) too bad they are no longer with us. He then folds over the right half of the face on Mars image. And then supposedly it's a lion's face. The audience. I'm not even kidding. The audience literally gasps when he shows this and he says he is happy with the reaction because the hair on the back of his neck stood up when he first realized that, quote, What we were looking at in the monument of Mars, the face on Mars, was the fusion of the hominid and the feline. From this, I realized that what we were seeing was, of course, sphinxes, literal embodiments of sphinxes on two worlds linked by the fundamental constants of Sidonia over and over and over again. (laughs) Okay, I don't know. I have to draw my paw on the sand here. No, sorry. Sphinxes have the body of a lion and the face of a man. You yeah. don't have the face of a man and also the face of a lion with no body at all. Yeah, this It's funny. This all sounds like a Egyptian-themed Batman series where they took <laughs> Two-Face in a very different direction where Two-Face <laughs> is a sphinx, but it's just half of his... It's his face. It's half, <laughs> half man, half cat. Like, why? Why would they do that? Why wouldn't they just build a sphinx? <laughs> this is the Yonaguni monument all over again. So this is a good, he feels like this is a good time. Hoagland again interrupts himself at the UN to quote himself, putting his own quote on the screen as he talks. And here's the quote. This strongly suggests that we have discovered two sphinxes on two worlds, not only echoing symbolically the same man-lion message, but connected mathematically by the same fundamental constant. E slash pie. So I'm, you know, I'm honestly not going to lie. I, I'm obsessed with Tiger King so much that I read man slash lion message and thought it was uh, Tiger King related. So I was very happy there. I was like, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. The man lion message is that more about this. The, the message is that a man met a lion and a lion met a man. <laughs> That's the and message. The twain shall meet. So there we go. So can I, can I just, before we move on real quick, why are cats important? I love cats. I have two cats of my own. Are the Martians cats? Is that what he's saying? Like, why are the cats important? I honestly have no idea. And I don't really even understand. Yeah. I mean, like the Sphinx was what, like a mythical creature. Are you telling, yeah. are you telling me he does? Are you telling me he doesn't explain that? No. Wow. And strangely, at least not in that video. Now I probably should read the book because I'm sure mm, yeah. we'll find out more, but this is, this is the problem. They leave things they leave things just clear enough to rope you in, but then it's all a trick. This is why everyone yes. goes to the UN. They just want you to buy their damn book. Oh, and by the way, I just want to say that Stonehenge is part of some global matrix holographic uh, code too, with some meaningful radiuses. Jesus, I, I don't. I'm just adding, 
We've added so many words. So many concepts have been added to this mind map in like one sentence. God, it's so hard to keep track of. I know. And if I covered all of it, this episode would be like three hours long, which I probably should have made, but whatever. So Hoagland starts talking about why the sun really matters. Quote, if in fact the sun is a gate to another dimension and the energy that we see is merely a lower level transformation of a higher level force or energy or process, then it may be possible to harness such a process on Earth and to create an actual hyperdimensional technology. I think I'm going to put this in the amazing if true pile. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. If true, yes. It's a good place to put it. Sadly, Hoagland tells us that the science is just not being done. Um, he, he pleads the men, to the men and women in the UN audience to open up research so we can bring free hyperdimensional energy to the people of the third world. See, Hoagland believes that planets in our solar system may exist in more than just three dimensions. Saturn's hexagonal clouds at its poles prove this, apparently. Quote, during the Voyager mission, we have secured data that at least one planet in our solar system is connected mathematically to a higher dimensional state space. And that, of course, if we can confirm through further research and further analysis, would be a stunning fact to behold. So, you know, like Dylan mentioned earlier, I have to say, I mean, honestly, my favorite part of this entire UN presentation is that this all started with a low resolution image of a mound of rocks on Mars. <laughs> I mean, we're now talking about like Martian cities and Sphinx connections and hyperdimensional state space and that could give us everlasting energies. It's taken. It's quite a leap. You know, and honestly, the next time I look at a cloud and it looks like a dog, I'm going to let that idea not go to waste. And I'll see you again in 10 years when I'm giving my talk to the UN about free fractal interdimensional dream world vacations or something. I don't know. So something like this needs to happen for everyone so they can experience what it's like to be Hoagland. Man, free fractal interdimensional dream world vacations. That sounds like a great idea. I hope you do that. Sounds great. As 1990s animation of Saturn's rings plays on the screen, Hoagland muses about being awestruck by these images when he first saw them. Quote, suppose the bandings in Saturn's rings are ripples, higher level ripples in space time, occasioned in the close vicinity of this extraordinary world by its massive rotation from three dimensions to four and higher. We're looking at a literal physical link in our own backyard between the reality of every day and the reality that produces what we think of as every day. Mimas, one of Saturn's moons, has, quote, a geology and a topology on its own surface that, in fact, is an amazing, diverse landscape for a tiny chunk of ice that has no internal energy or power source that we can discern. Is it possible that in Saturn, quote, we are seeing an exemplification, there it is, of the physics of a literal new age? <gasps> And I'm going to answer this guy's uh, no, no. Oh, well, see, mm, but he used the word exemplification. So oh. I think you're wrong oh, about boy. this one. I think he's uh, on to something. Okay, I might be. Okay, well, let's get back to Earth now. And by that, I mean back to Mars, uh, I guess. Yeah. We're unfortunately sorry to say the years have not been kind to the face on Mars, mm, yeah. sadly. Ugh. Damn. I'm sure we're all thinking at this point, well, okay, wait a minute. This is an image that's supposed to be a face on Mars, and it's taken from a 1970s where photograph technology was very primitive back then. And this is true. So, yes, NASA went back and took photographs of the same, you know, face place. And what did they see? Well, let's just say the face on Mars got a facelift, which is to say the idea of a face on Mars lifted off and flew into the vacuum of space. Oh, so that's my God. just not there in April 1998, NASA's Mars Global Surveyor revisited the Sidonia region containing the face and snapped another image. 
The photo that NASA released from this trip showed the Mesa in more detail with essentially no facial features at all, which showed conclusively that the original 1976 photo looking like a face was due to low quality resolution and low lighting. And I, I, I hate to keep hammering this point home. I've done it now in a couple episodes here. Um, but if Paul Potter's book taught us anything, it's that the lower the quality of an image, the more evidence of something alien. It. Yes, I mean, exactly. we need to keep that in mind. It's the more that it's it's not evidence of anything. So right. the more you're not evidence of anything, the more you are evidence for aliens. <laughs> Absolutely. True. In 2001, the orbiter captured another image of the same face Mesa. It looked even less like a face. Basically, the higher the resolution and better the lighting, the less it looked more like a face. In fact, this Mesa looks so opposite of a face now that I think NASA should just rename the Mesa the Faceless Mesa. Or even better, the Face Off Mesa. Houston, we have Face Off. Hello. Face Off Mesa. So Face Off 2 involves Nicolas Cage putting the Sphinx's face on the Faceless Mesa. Let's just make this full circle. I'll ask Nick Cage if he wants to roll next time I see him at Petco here in Vegas. Oh, yeah. You keep running into him. I do. No, I mean, I only did once and I've seen it when I used to work at Barnes and Noble, me and Forrest, uh, he'd come in there. So NASA took a break from rubbing their fancy picture taking skills in the face of the Mars face fanatics. But that didn't stop Europe from piling on. In 2006, the European Space Agency's Mars Express orbiter captured the face region in Sidonia using their high resolution stereo camera. Fucking paparazzis are the worst. Am I right? Yeah. Jesus. I mean, you know, you, you got to let someone put their face on before you just sneak up on them and take pictures <laughs> and then and then Seriously. send them to TMZ. It's rude. You see, they didn't want to disprove the Mars face conspiracy in the usual high resolution, you know, 2D method. No. With their fancy camera, they constructed a 3D model of the Mesa. Guess what? It didn't look anything like a face oh. in 3D either. So that's uh, unfortunate. Though, to be fair, since Hoagland has proven to us with his lecture that there are multiple dimensions, I think we need to make sure it still doesn't look like a face in 5D or 2060. You know, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. But I also I would actually recommend just in case we also look at 1D and 2D. Maybe you got to go smaller. <laughs> yeah, you got to go smaller to find that face. Yeah. At this point, the Mars face fanboys are on the ground, curled up in a ball, weeping, unfortunately. The next merciless blows came from yet another high-resolution camera called the Hi-Rise on board the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter. In 2007, this elitist camera snapped yet another image of the face of Sidonia. It was clearly just a weathered mesa with nothing face-like about it. In fact, you know, honestly, at this point, this looks so unlike a face that it's starting to look like no face from the Spirited Away anime film. Another reference I'm not going to lie, I don't get, but I do faintly remember that parts of that movie, and I do remember the no face character slightly i am just going to uh, pass on in silence because i don't know anything i don't know any of that some years passed by in july in 2014 broken bleeding on death's doorstep one final pathetic grasp of mars fascism but to be not i don't want i don't want to, people get confused with mars fascism oh, yeah. which is a totally oh, yeah. different thing it's mars yeah. fascism was made by mike barra when he published his book ancient aliens on mars 2 i don't know the first one who gives a shit in his book, he claims that there is still a face there and it must have been made by Martians. Specifically, he claimed that there are, quote, two aligned eye sockets. The tip of the nose is the tallest point on the structure. There are two clearly defined nostrils in the nose. The west eye socket is shaped like a human eye, including a tear duct. There is a spherical pupil in the eye. So I like this. So instead of claiming that the new images are faked, 
This guy is claiming, no, the new images Just, actually still show it looks like a face. That's a as beautiful long as stance. you like turn your head exactly and close your eyes. Right. And it really looks like a face still. Yeah. And if you look at the 2006 or even better, the 2007 image of the face on Mars, it looks like a crumbly ass mesa, basically. So there are a couple bumpy mounds, you know, above like a larger lower mound that if you really squint and turn your head and maybe take some LSD, drill a hole in your head and ingest DMT, you can maybe see a semblance of a gorilla face wearing a helmet. But that's all I'm willing to give it. I'm so sorry. That's it. Or maybe like we said earlier before we started, I think it maybe looks like the Hulk, like the old Hulk because he kind of had helmet hair. Yeah, I think I said Jason. He looks like Jason Voorhees. Yeah, Jason. Mask. Yeah, exactly. In fact, Dylan, I don't know if you know this. Um, there's actually a much more realistic face on Mars. It's an impact crater called Gale and has been nicknamed the happy face crater because it literally looks like a happy face. Now, this is a face on Mars I can get behind. I don't. It's really interesting, but I don't want to get behind any face on Mars because that means I've been buried alive <laughs> on an alien planet. True. All right, so Dylan, we are officially done with the face on Mars. And in fact, when we did this, I want to say that we were going to do face and bones on Mars, mm, um, which yeah. there's some bones on Mars, which we'll have to do maybe as a, a bonus episode at some point. But is there anything in this that uh, you enjoyed thoroughly? I mean, I think the thing we've already mentioned that this Hoagland guy took, there's a face on Mars, and he spun that out to include holographic matrices and <laughs> Stonehenge and free hyperdimensional energy, energy and tetrahedrons yeah. and it's <laughs> i am amazed yeah. i mean like i wonder if he had all that stuff and then saw the picture of the face on mars and was like eureka now i can complete the puzzle <laughs> uh, that was i think the thing that you know kind of got me yeah i also the thing that kind of fascinates me about this is the deciding which pictures NASA releases are fake or not, mm -hmm. you know, like when you're a, uh, you know, in the conspiracy and you think, no, the original one was real, but all the new ones are fake. And then kind of just deciding that, well, that old one was real. It just got it got it slipped by <laughs> like it slipped by <laughs> their their like internal sensors or something. And also just the fact that with all of this stuff, taking a photograph of a planet is not like it's not like the satellites have a Polaroid camera on them. Yeah. It's all about taking multiple images and correlating them and all this kind of stuff. So it's never any image you see in space is never like a straightforward one to one like relationship. Right, it's exactly. always like a constructed thing. Yeah. And so it's always funny when we take these pictures a little too seriously. Yeah. Like looking for tear ducts <laughs> on the face of Mars. I'm going to say probably not something you can do. Yeah, I, I agree. The, the thing that served me the most is how you you start with a face and then he's combing over all these images and, and he builds this whole like city. You know, there's cities, there's this pyramid over here, there's a face over here. And then he starts drawing lines, which I think we were discussing before this episode, how you could just do the same in your apartment. I think you just <laughs> yeah. you know, start drawing lines to make connections <laughs> of something smaller. Oh, if you blow that up, it's the same big and all the angles are similar. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Why? Like, I don't know. And then he kind of leaves the face of Mars behind and just goes even <laughs> yeah. further into doesn't even really matter. other things. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty. I mean, he goes back with it with the Sphinx, which I enjoyed. But yeah, the Sphinx that wild. is also just I love I mean, it's just like the Yanaguni monument. Yeah. Like, look, like it looks like it's half lion, half man. So it's clearly a throwback to the Sphinx. And it's like, well, why didn't they just make a Sphinx? Like, it doesn't make. <laughs> If I assumed everything you said was true, right, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Nobody would ever do that. Yeah. 
In the same way, if I'm going to build some stairs, I'm not going to make them all radically different sizes and shapes and directions. Right. Like, <laughs> we need to like rely on what would these creatures actually rationally do? Exactly. And uh, build a weird Sphinx throwback, I don't think is one of them. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, um, that uh, leak of your secret passion of carpentry building stairs, I think we are officially <laughs> done with this episode on The Face on Mars. Thanks for listening, and we are done! Thank you for listening to this episode of None Dare Call It Ordinary. If you would also like to hear our weekly bonus episodes, just become a $5 a month patron over at patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary. That is also where you'll find any blog posts, pictures, and news updates to go along with our regular series. And you don't even have to be a patron to get access to all that fun stuff. You can also reach us by email at nondarecallitordinary at gmail.com. Lastly, we ask for you to please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever your podcasts are served.